Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 19. In case you were keeping track of the Steve Kenyon podcast, I'm Steve Kenyon. We are sponsored by Unbeatable Feeds. Hope you'll come find the Unbeatable Feeds display at Cowboy Christmas during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Be some great guests there every day, dropping by, signing autographs. I'll have a chance to talk to some of them, people like Caleb Driggers and Haven Medjid, Peyton Bray, a lot of the folks who are proud to ride with Unbeatable Feeds will be there at the Unbeatable Feeds booth. We hope you will come join us. Thanks to M2 Ranch Jerky. We're about a month away from 2024. M2 Ranch Jerky is coming to a store near you as the new year rolls around. True traditional cowboy jerky and, of course, Wrangler, the official Western Wear Pro Rodeo. We're about to get underway with the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Long live cowboy. Boys. Let's start before we get into our show today on a very special guest, 17-time national finalist Lisa Lockhart will join us in just a couple of minutes from now to talk about her great barrel racing career. She's got a chance to become the number one all-time money winner in the WPRA with a solid performance at this year's NFR. But let's talk about some of the news that is making news. Of course, the national finals rodeo, big deal in Las Vegas, the first performance December the 7th. We will be live every day from Next Gen Rodeo Media, powered by Rodeo Logistics. Every afternoon, there's a live pre-show. We call it NFR Central, beginning Wednesday. That's the last day of the National Finals of Breakaway, the day before the opening performance of the National Finals Rodeo, December the 6th. You can watch on our 8 Seconds Media Facebook page on the Next Gen Rodeo social media sites and on the Next Gen app. So we hope you will join us for NFR Central from Next Gen Rodeo Media, powered by Rodeo Logistics, beginning next Wednesday, December the 6th. National Finals Rodeo schedule, Gold Buckle Galo, the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, is Monday, December the 4th. National Finals Breakaway Roping, December 5th and 6th. The South Point Hotel and Casino, PRCA's annual awards banquet is December 6th. The WPRA Star Celebration, their awards banquet, is in the afternoon on December the 7th. That's where the WPRA will honor its contract personnel and rodeos of the year and introduce all of the top 15 barrel racers. Uh, That is a great, great um, event that's happening at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Speaking of the WPRA, news from barrel racer Tacey Matthews, number four in the world standings, headed to her first national finals rodeo. Her horse Pop Rocks, the horse of the year in the WPRA this year. Unfortunately, Pop Rocks injured, will not be able to compete at the NFR. Tacey has announced, thanks to Lindsay Sumter, who will be my co-anchor on the NFR Central broadcast we're doing every day on Next Gen Rodeo Media. Lindsay informs me that Tacey has announced she's going to be riding a horse called Heavenly Firewater at the Wrangler national finals rodeo which starts on december the 7th you can find more on tacy's social media sites a couple other big events that are going on alongside the nfr in the cutting and reigning horse world the national reigning horse association futurity in oklahoma city runs through this weekend it will end on december the 7th rainers brought the heat in their last chance to make it to the nrha's futurity finals more entries and higher payouts brought out the best of the three-year-old rainers and their riders more than 2.9 million dollars on the line at the jim norrick coliseum that breaks the 2022 record for riders in non-pro and open divisions. Andrea Fapani leads the field of open finalists into the final day of competition. That final day of competition is December the 2nd. And the National Cutting Horse Association is also hard at work. Uh, The National Cutting Horse Association is in Fort Worth, Texas. The NCHA World Finals will wrap up on Saturday, December the 2nd. The NCHA Futurity runs through December the 9th. You can go to the Cutting and Reining Horse websites and get all the details. So those some of the stories that are making headlines and a story that is about to make headlines is the qualification for the 17th time to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo for barrel racer Lisa Lockhart out of Ulrich, South Dakota. She'll be riding a horse called Levy. She'll join us to tell us about it next. Thanks for joining us on the Steve Kenyon Podcast. New styles join our time-tested Justin Bent Rail collection. Like the rugged men and women who wear them, these boots stand for quality, integrity, tradition, and hard work. 
Straight from our legendary El Paso factory, our expert bootmakers build these boots with features that would make even the earliest cowboys proud. Outfit yourself today with a bent rail collection by Justin. There's no pretending to being a cowboy. Either you are or you aren't. Which is why everything we do as a company improves or preserves this way of life. The romance, the honesty, the toughness, the craft. More cowboys, please. America could use them. Resist all. We live it every day. Rodeo fans, the Grandview at Las Vegas has become one of the most popular destinations for visitors from around the world during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. People love the big, comfortable rooms, just far enough from the hustle and bustle of the Strip, but close enough to have a great time. The Grandview is right next door to the South Point and just minutes from the Thomas and Mac. Make your reservation today. Go to dailymanagementresorts.com. The Grandview at Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us. Episode 19 of the Steve Kenyon podcast from the Women's Professional Rodeo Association, WPRA.com, the 2023 Wrangler National Finals breakaway roping is less than a week away, December 5th and the 6th at the South Point Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. All 10 rounds will be live streamed for free on the Wrangler Network. Tune in daily at 1.45 Pacific time for the pre-show with opening ceremonies kicking off at 2 p.m. daily. Shelby Beaujolais goes in with the number one spot in the breakaway roping world standings with earnings of $164,549 for the year. By the way, on our 8 Seconds Media Facebook page, page and social media sites we are going to be previewing every event at the nfr jordan joe fabrizio the host of the in the loop podcast will join us to talk about the breakaway roping we're talking to contestants who qualified for every event in all the other events uh, tim o'connell will talk about the bareback riding will loomis will talk about the steer wrestling sage kimsey in the uh, bull riding emily Bisel in the barrel racing it's a lot of fun and it's all brought to you by our newest sponsor Equibrand, the people who are behind classic ropes and classic equine. And uh, we hope you will join us and take a listen to all of those interviews on our Facebook page from 8SecondsMedia.com and on our uh, social media as well. We'll share it everywhere we can uh, with those interviews and those guests starting this weekend and running all the way through December the 7th when the NFR gets underway. National Finals Rodeo this year is a milestone for two barrel racers. Brittany Posey-Tanazi, number one in the world standings, and Lisa Lockhart, number four in the world standings, head into this year's Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, both competing for the 17th time at the NFR. Both of them have won over $3 million. In fact, Lisa's only about 72000 away from passing Sherry Servey to become the number one money-winning barrel racer in the history of the WPRA. I think I said earlier Lisa's number four in the world standings. She is number five. Brittany's number one, followed by Jordan Briggs, Emily Beisel, Tacey Matthews, and then Lisa in the number five spot. Lisa Lockhart has become a fan favorite at the NFR, and she gave us some time to talk about competing at her 17th national finals rodeo here's lisa lockhart on the steve kenyon podcast lisa welcome and uh, thank you for your time oh absolutely my pleasure it's always fun to talk to you steve so tell me 17 trips to the nfr you and Brittany posey tanazi both have been there 17 times that longevity is something that is pretty incredible i think well, you know, it, it's hard to actually conceptualize sometimes because it's just something that I've just been doing. It's, you know, it's just like it's your job and you get up, and you go to work every day. And so, um, you know, I think probably more so the last couple of years that it's a little bit of a reality check, like, wow, you know, this is really hard to accomplish. Um, obviously, some years harder than others. So uh, this year was definitely a blessing. And, you know, I, I appreciate it more than ever to not have you know, had to work so hard for it. So anyway, it, it is a little bit tough to put in perspective sometimes like you've, you know, it's not something you just do. It's, it, it is a huge accomplishment. And, um, you know, I think with age comes wisdom. So, uh, I'm learning to appreciate it more every day, know how hard it truly is. So it's, it's been a great ride. Um, I counted it up last year. I forget the number seven or eight horses, something like that. You've ridden at the NFR. Um, does that sound about right to you? I think so. You know, I'd probably have to use my fingers to count them all. <laughs> you know? But yeah, 
you know, um, definitely. And, and I, I suppose putting, uh, you know, the two rounds that I rode Vita in there as well, you know, that would probably make eight, I think. So what was the very first horse you rode on your very first run at your very first national finals rodeo? Well, here we go. We can name them. Right. So this yeah. was always fun for me. Cause I, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, a back, it's just a nice journey to go back and and relive it. But uh, the very first horse <clears throat> that year was a team effort with uh, Chisholm and Sterling. But I did start out on Sterling. He was definitely more of an indoor horse. So, uh, you know, he was a little gray horse, uh, definitely cowbred. And so he was my, you know, one I started out with and um, won my first go-round buckle on him. Hmm. And he did get hurt at the finals. So then I had to jump on Chisholm. And so, you know, it's just kind of been been that scenario over the years that sometimes, you know, one door closes, another one opens. But, you know, I've always been very fortunate to have a team of horses. But, yeah. uh, you know, Sterling and Chisholm were the two that started this this journey, for the, sure. The problem that they have is 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 Louie kind of stole the spotlight, I guess? <laughs> from some from from and and then Rosa after him, but Louie in, in particular sort of stole the spotlight from so many other great horses you've had a chance to ride. You know, uh, I, I'll take that though. Um, you know, I always say that Louie's reputation far precedes mine, and I'm okay with that because it was you know it was just such a blast to ride that horse. Um, you know, and I'm sure they'll I'll never have an opportunity of anything like that again. Although I do compare Levy to him a lot. But, um, you know, I've just never been on a horse that loved his job so much and was so consistent for so many years. And it didn't matter if it was big or small, hard ground or muddy ground. I mean, it was just the same. And I don't know where you can find that. It's it's hard to come by. And, um, you know, I think you could take a cookie cutter of his 85 runs at the Thomas and Mac. And I'm not sure anybody would ever be able to say what year it was or, you know, if he won or didn't win. You know, they all just looked the same. Yeah, they really did. Uh, rodeo announcers of the world freaked out when Lisa showed up with a second buckskin. Thank God one of them <laughs> ran left and one of them ride lot, rode, rode, went right because we could all tell the difference. Um <laughs> This levy horse that you're running now at the national finals, you had to scramble last year, as I remember, um, to get into the NFR. You went to a bunch of rodeos, including rodeos you've done really well at, like the Pendleton Roundup, that you really had never gone to before. Um, and this horse got it done for you. He did. You know, more than anything, uh, Rosa had gotten hurt in 2022. So she was out most of July. I didn't have her for Cheyenne or Spanish Fork or Ogden. I mean, it was a pretty tough time to be without, you know, at that time, who was my number one mount. And so at that time, it was just kind of a reality check, like, okay, what are we going to do? You know, let's just, you're, al you're already entered in so many things. I mean, you have to enter a month early. So I'm already entered. And I thought, well, we'll just use this opportunity to season levy because it's something that I needed to do um, and it's something I would have never done. Like I said, usually that's how it happens is one door closes and another yeah. one opens. And, you know, it's the same story with Louie jumping on him, you know, after Chisholm got hurt at the NFR. So um, just kind of, a, you know, we barrel racers are pretty hard headed. So, you know, that was the intentions is just You're to kind kidding. of season levy. I'm sorry. You're kidding. Barrel racers are hard headed. <laughs> that's a joke, folks. It's a joke. <laughs> no it's not yeah. um but anyway so season levy and you know as it went on through august and you know he really was kind of stepping up and kind of taken to the rodeos pretty well obviously we weren't going to big rodeos by any means but um you know then it was later in august um you know do you head back out to the northwest because i was entered the northwest because i had to if i was gonna and so you know whether it be running him at places like omac and then i came home for rapid city and um, it was just a big decision that year as to whether or not to go back out. And, you know, it was with Grady's encouragement. Rosa was kind of coming back um, at that time. So it was just with Grady's encouragement. You know, he's like, you've gone this far. He's like, why not try it? He says, at least go through Labor Day weekend, right? And so um, we did that. And, you know, Rosa had some big wins at Ellensburg, you know, getting back on her. And I took Levy to Puyallup and ran him at Puyallup. And when he did what he did there, ran as competitively against obviously the best, you know, horses there in an, a tough setup yeah. and obviously not great ground. And when he, you know, laid down a run and all I thought is like, okay, it's coming together. This guy's got what it, and, we all, and I knew he had what it took. It just, we weren't there yet. And, um, 
you know, you have to have a special horse to run at the NFR, I think. I don't think every horse is that adaptable to that pin. And I just thought that it would really fit him well. And so I'm like, okay, this horse really deserves a chance at the Thomas and Mac. And so what we had, what, three weeks left in the season? And, um, you know, (laughs) Grady just kept saying it's mathematically possible. I mean, I think at the time we were probably 22nd in the world. You know, we had a lot of ground to catch up. And um, so anyway, we just pedaled to the metal. Don't look back. And I didn't. Uh, I was pretty oblivious to everything. And it was just go forward one rodeo to the next, give it your best shot. And uh, we went to a lot of rodeos and I was very determined. And um, I don't know, it was pretty crazy because we we had a lot of success at those rodeos we went to in a short amount of time. I'm thinking about Puyallup in particular. And Lisa, if what I'm about to say is totally and completely out of line, please tell me. But you're going to find out a lot about a horse in Puyallup, Washington, because not only is it a small outdoor arena. I don't think Puyallup is much different size-wise than the Thomas and Mac, but the environment around Puyallup, you got you basically have to walk your horse. Levy was, what, a six-year-old last year? You uh-huh. have to walk your horse through the carnival to get to the arena, right? I mean, you, yeah. there, there, it is, it is, there's a lot of circus sideshow that goes into that rodeo. And I, I, I guess it probably sounds negative to say it that way, and I don't mean it to, but if a horse is going to lose its mind, Puyallup's a pretty good place for a horse to lose it. And it sounds like Levy handled it pretty well. He did, you know, and you are exactly right. Um, and, I, and I think it's, you know, process, obviously, and I'm sure, you know, riding him for the month and a half prior. I mean, like I said, I got on him middle of July. And so just seasoning him at a lot of those fair rodeos throughout Montana and um, such, you know, there's a lot going on. And, you know, it was just the greatest thing I could have ever done and to get him ready for that. And then to actually put him in that position at Puyallup to and have him clock what he did. Like I said, I knew it was there. It was just a matter of actually having the team effort of he and I becoming a team and making it happen. And when he clocked, you know, in my set, you, and it's different sets. And so, um, you know, I thought those that were in my set at the time, of course, we're always going to use Haley as a, as a me- method of measurement. And, um, you know, when he clocked right with sister, I'm like, okay. And she had a good run. I had a good run. I'm like, okay, he, this is the real deal. Like, I think he's there. And so I, that was what was probably the pushing determining factor for me to keep going after that. Somewhere in there, we all, during the NFR last year, we all looked at each other and went, Lisa Lockhart not only just got into this national finals rodeo in the bottom, I forget where you were when the rodeo started, it was 13th, 14th, 15th, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. You, had a ch- you had a chance to win a world title. Um, you were as close as maybe you have been last year. And again, I started this, rodeo, this interview talking about all the great horses you've ridden on your six-year-old to winning that one thing that has escaped you all your career. Um, you were within a go-round and a knocked-over barrel, maybe, of getting it done. You know, and I think, uh, obviously, at the NFR, consistency is huge. You know, the average is huge. Um, you know, same thing, I think that was, you know, Louis's greatest attribute as well. You know, the same kinds of runs, you know, there'd be some round wins, there'd be some placing, um, you know, but trying to stay clean in that average. And so... Um, I, you know, once again, I, I compare Levy to Louie a lot because mm-hmm. I feel like that consistency is their motif of, you know, what really makes them great. And, you know, they just want to go out there and please. They don't try to ever do anything wrong. Um, may not be the fastest horses, but consistency and and having those, um, you know, I want to say not perfect turns, but <clears throat> excuse me you know, having a good style and, you know, uh, trying to do the same thing every time. And I think that they have a very good, respectable four-wheel driving style around the barrels that helps them stand up on any ground. And I'm pretty proud of that. And that that's kind of what helps them to be what they are. Remind me of Levy's breeding. Um, he's by Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, out of a mare called uh, Bar Blue Lass, which uh, when Tenley Epperson rode her, her, Den Lamperson was his uh, breeder, and um, she rode that horse, uh, his mama, at the college finals and stuff and had a lot of success in college on that mare. So, um, yeah, just kind of a homegrown boy from Montana, and yeah. From a style standpoint, does he remind you of 
any of the other great horses you've had a chance to ride and compete on um, at the National Finals Rodeo? Is he like Chisholm? Is he like Sterling? Is he like Louie, just in terms of the way that he runs? Um, you know, we, we took a, a long time to develop our bond. Um, obviously, Levy had uh, a career as a fraternity horse uh, with Sam Flannery before I stepped into the scene. And so she had won nearly 100000 on him um, before I got the horse. So with that, you know, and it sometimes it doesn't just come easy when somebody else is... Uh, Tenley actually trained the horse. Tenley Epperson trained the horse. Hmm. And Sam took him to the fraternities and... Um, you know, had a lot of success on him. And when I stepped on, you know, it was easy, but it wasn't easy. And I feel like to me, just having done this in a long, long time, that I feel like ground issues are probably, you know, something that is really hard for a horse, that they have to be adaptable to so many types of ground. So with that being said, um, I knew how fast he was and how he could be at the fraternities and what he had won. But I felt like he was going to struggle with the ground, um, doing it the way he was doing it. So, you know, we just kind of slowly worked on being a little bit more upright, a little bit more four-wheel driving uh, all the way around the turn. Um, I just thought, you know, because that's kind of what he had been originally. Um, but he had a lot of pressure in a short amount of time, and it's all about going fast at the fraternity. So, once again, very successful. But I just kind of backed him off, slowed things back down, kind of went back to what he probably knew best, which is what fits me best as well, which would, you know, what was I thought was ideal. Um, so with that, I think, you know, kind of a cross between uh, Louie for sure and Chisholm. Chisholm was probably a bit more of a rounder horse, obviously a bigger, longer bodied horse. So therefore I can compare Levy to Louie. So, um, you know, I've even had it be said that, uh, you know, he's Louie in a gray costume. Huh. I'll be darned. Without that great big giant rear end, I used to, Lisa used <laughs> to give me a hard time because I, I mean, Louie had that, that <clears throat> powerful hind end that just you could just see that he he had a he had a motor on him he uh, did and you know levy has he's blossomed he's seven now and gosh he's as big as louis was as well so really? um you know he just he's just kept growing i was gonna ask you because i've got this theory being a little bit in the barrel racing business horses mature a lot they can change a lot from their six to seven year old year from their mm -hmm. six to eight year old year has he done that he has, obviously, you know, he's just, you know, the bloom that's on him. Of course, you know, I have a tendency to uh, think that all my horse, a way to a horse's heart is through their stomach. And so uh, I kind of kill him with kindness in that respect. And uh, so actually he's a very easy keeper, as was Louis. So it's very hard for me to um, not just kill him with kindness all the time. But yeah, he has definitely matured. Uh, you know, he still has that hesitancy in strange places, especially indoors. And which once again, reminds me a lot of Lou and I hate to compare him to Lou because he's his own animal, you know, he's his own unique individual, but, um, he's, he's kind of a, a scaredy cat about a lot of things. And so getting him comfortable in his environment, for example, at the NFR last year, you know, I just felt that he would get nothing but stronger and, uh, he did not disappoint because that's just how he usually starts out is very hesitant, gains confidence, the more runs he makes, whether it be San Antonio, whether it be at the American, um, the NFR last year, it just doesn't matter. Um, he's just one that actually really lacks in confidence and, and gains that confidence as we go. Lisa, you've, I, I probably should have started with this question, and it's something that I'm sure as time goes by starting December 7th will come up a lot and you'll get asked about. Um, Sherry Servey is the all-time money winner in the history of the WPRA. According to WPRA.com, Sherry's won $3.38 million. You've won a little over $3.3 million dollars. Um, and there's, I should point out, there's a lot of money you've won in there that doesn't count. Um, a couple hundred thousand dollar checks at the American, things like that. But you're, if again, if my math is right, you're only about $70,000 behind Sherry in the race to become the all-time money winner. Brittany Posey-Tanazi is about 150,000, I forget, is somewhere between 150 and 200,000 behind you with a lot of money on the line at the NFR. You have a chance to make some history this year. Um, you're already an elite company with Sherry and Brittany as the only $3 million money winners in the WPRA. I asked you about this before we started the interview, and you almost act like you you kind of said, really? Um, you had a chance to become the all-time money winner in the history of the WPRA at this year's NFR. 
Well, you know, that sounds great. Um, you know, it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. That would be fun. But on the same token, you know, with the money that they have at rodeos anymore, um, I mean, just our industry in general, I mean, look where it's come in the last three to five years. It's crazy. So with that, um, you know, if whoever that person is, if they do surpass Sherry, you know, it will probably be short-lived because, you know, records are meant to be broken, which is, you know, great. And that's just how we, the world operates and revolves. So um, we all strive to just keep doing better and, and win more or whatever. And, um, you know, the, I just think the the rodeo industry has changed a lot with having the money available that it has for the contestants. So it's, it's definitely been needed and it's very refreshing. And, um, you know, I think we've really gathered some new fans of rodeo. And so, um, yeah, just the Western lifestyle, you know, it's, it's really come to life the last few years and it's just pretty cool to be a part of it. I just brought up Lisa's bio on WPRA.com. $3.308970 million in your career. And again, that doesn't include the money at the American and, I'm not sure how much of the Canadian money that includes because you've had great luck in Canada. Um, you've you've won legitimately. I'm going to guess over four million dollars just at rodeos in your career. Which sounds really crazy. I know I did an interview the other day, and um, you know somebody that didn't know a lot about rodeo, and you know, kind of just talking about those, you know, landmarks of you know what we've won or things like that. And I said, it, and it's great, it really is. But on the flip side. I think it's very deceiving as to what our life is really like. And so, um, so yeah, you know, I, and it's always kind of about what we've won and uh, which speaks volumes that, you know, we've had a, a great successful career and, you know, that number just seems astronomical. So as I was talking before we got started and, and we joked about it, you know, that, yeah, we have this accolade of, of winning so much money, but on the same token, I said, our pocketbooks don't reflect it. So it is um, a, a very expensive sport without a doubt uh, especially you know being timed event people and so um so anyway i'm just glad to see the upward spiral of having more prize money at more rodeos and to where you can actually um maybe come ahead be ahead at the end of the year and and not in the negative yeah um and 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 i what year did you go to your first national finals rodeo 2007 what did go around pay then i should remember this and i don't you know, I should remember it, and I don't either. Um, nothing what it does now. I could probably almost remember the Canadian finals more. But I mean, I'm just almost trying to think if it was, gosh, 15, 17. I could sure ask Grady, and he'd tell you in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, Grady's he is the a statistician of the family, and I'm usually like, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Just tell me what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, tie-down ropers are all numbers guys. They're all stats guys. Every one oh, of them my that I know. I don't use Grady like that. I'm sorry? Is Grady like that? Tie-down ropers are all numbers uh, guys. Absolutely. He is a numbers cruncher. Like he can tell you in a heartbeat what it's going to pay, just everything. And he's even, he gives me such a hard time. And he'll tell me when I get done with this interview, he'll be like, I can't believe you can't remember yeah. what it paid back then. I'm like, I don't remember. Reason, you know, you just keep rolling on and I don't know. But. The reason I ask, and I want to talk to you about family a little bit and about how priorities change before I let you go, Lisa. But and thinking about that, I did an interview with Brittany when she went over $3 million, which I think was around the time she won Salt Lake City. And she, her exact quote was, Sherry did it the hard way. If you can yeah. go back and count all the go-round wins of Sherry Servey and her career and attach today's dollars to them, she might have 4 or $5 million next to her name. She Without a doubt. Totally agree that, you know, I mean, that's just it. You know, I mean, what has changed even in the last few years, the money that's available. And so, as I said, you know, these records are going to be very short lived. Um, you know, with that being said, yeah, that's the best way that Brittany could have put it is Sherry did it the hard way yeah. and uh, been there, done that. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, when I came into the scene in 2007, um, you know, I'm thinking it was probably just a little over, you know, maybe half of what it is now. So or maybe a little bit more. But anyway, so, yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. You're, you're a mom with a tie-down roper husband, a couple of kids who rodeo, um, a ranch in South Dakota. Um, there are a lot of different things going on in your life, but in particular with the kids, how have you balanced all that? I, I've always had the sense that if you could be home and spend more time with family and less time on the road, that is what you would do. Um, mm -hmm. 
Talk about balancing all of that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, talk about balancing family and competing in rodeos. Um, you are exactly right about that. And so um, I feel that, like, that uh, God blessed me with some amazing horses when this all started because I didn't have to go to so many rodeos to qualify for the NFR. And so I'm never going to say it was easy, but it was much easier. And when we had those qualifications secured, we packed our bags and went home. And, um, you know, if that meant, I remember, say the first year even, it was uh, after Caldwell. And it was the week that the kids started school. And Grady just said, he's like, you're in. And so I'm like, all right, let's go home. Kids start school next week. And that's kind of how it was. And so, I mean, I'm sure there's a few circuit rodeos close to home, but we were not out on the road. And that's just kind of how it's always been. And, um, you know, been very fortunate some years with Louis winning so much at Calgary and Cheyenne and all of that. You know, Houston's like, boom. By July, we kind of knew. And so you just kind of have to let off the pedal then and stay closer to home. Um, I've driven a lot of extra miles to get home, whether it be making trips home from Canada or trips home from Houston to to make a very special basketball tournament or whatever, because our kids loved high school sports or sports in general. Obviously, it wasn't just high school, but just loved school sports. And, um, you know, I would always stay home as long as I could, you know, and not have to be gone to Texas any longer than I did um, and would make trips home. You know, obviously, I'd always come home to see my horseshoer as well, who is my husband. But, uh, you know, yeah, horses need shod, come home for these games or whatever. So I would try to strategically enter around a lot of my kids' events. And, you know, very fortunate that throughout the summer that we definitely stayed in the Midwest. And so I was home-based, unlike the Texans who have to come north. So, you know, it worked out pretty perfectly to where, um, you know, I would enter a slack in the middle of the week so that I could be at the high school rodeo on the weekends. And so we're very invested in each other as a family and really hate to miss anything that somebody else is involved in and very supportive with that. So um, it was all about scheduling, trying to do the best we could do. And, you know, it didn't always work, but I tried very hard to make it work. And like I said, you know, having a gold buckle was never part of my uh, dreams or aspirations. Um, I always want to qualify for the National Finals Rodeo. I think it's good business to be able to do that and, you know, get there, regardless of what place that you go in. And so, you know, with that, everybody's always encouraged me, like, oh, you should try harder. But I'm like, that's another whole endeavor, and, and it may require you to go a lot more, um, unless you can just win everywhere you, that you go early on or whatever. So um, it's just not really been a part of the plan because, you know, definitely family first, and there's just always so much here at home. And I, I already have missed out on so much over the years um but try not to miss out on any more than i absolutely had to how do you handle the national finals rodeo in terms of we all see what happens in the arena every night but there's a whole day every day of autograph signings annoying people like me calling you asking you for interviews um there there's a lot that goes on i've talked to a lot of rodeo contestants timed event contestants who have got horses there and they really like to, you know, some like to be hands-on with their horses. Some have got people whose job is to take care of those horses. Coleman Proctor told me he sees his, his heel horse about a half an hour before he gets on to go rope every night and somebody else that he really trusts is taking care of him the rest of the day. How do you handle that? Uh, definitely hands-on. I mean, that's all I've ever known. And um, I'm pretty much obsessive compulsive about my horses. So, I mean, I just, I don't think I could do it any other way. And that's what has helped me, I think, have the relationship with my horses over the years. And, um, you know, they're not just my uh, equine partner, but they're my, I always say they're my soulmate as well. So definitely a part of the family. And so it's hands-on and it's just Grady and I. And, um, you know, just to try to, to try to keep that same system that we've always had. So it is a lot of work without a doubt, but, um, you know, we have a pretty good gig going as far as, you know, we're out the horses early in the morning and, you know, you lot X amount of hours for the day and it's go like heck. And he usually drops me off curbside at, you know, the convention center mm. <laughs> so he can go park because we're always last minute and I'm running in the doors and, ah, you know, yeah. almost late for an autograph session or whatever. And then most of the time he'll either go park and come in or sit out there and wait and pick me up curbside. And then we go, might grab something to eat at 2 p.m. because we've not had any lunch and because uh, I've been signing autographs and then go back to the horses. Then it's just almost like this whole, I don't know, hour, hour and a half of just taking a deep breath and decompressing. And so it's um, just some good mental 
uh, therapy for me to just go back and, you know, maybe get the horses out and let them move about or, you know, whatever, brush on them, just kind of just regroup a little bit. And then uh, before you know it, it's time to load up and head in and let the games begin. So that's kind of a routine. It's it's pretty um, scheduled and uh, very mundane as far as what we do. Uh, you know, people like, oh, it's so much fun. Well, it is fun. It's fun competing. And I always feel bad because, you know, Grady doesn't get to go play any blackjack or, you know, do anything because we're always just working. But, yeah. you know, it's just kind of part of the business and it's a good time to be tending to business. But, and, and I think we enjoy it in that respect. Um, I probably shouldn't speak for him because I'm sure he would probably love to do more. But, um, you know, he knows that's important to me and to my horses. And so it's just part of the routine. I'm going to say something. You can you can tell me if I'm if I'm correct in what I'm about to say. Grady Lockhart, your husband. First time I ever remember announcing your name at a rodeo, Lisa. I think it was in Union, Oregon, and I think Grady was in the tie down roping, and you were in the barrel race, and you were probably on Sterling or Chisholm, one of those. Um, Grady, I don't know that he ropes as near as much as he used to, but here's the statement I'm going to make that you can tell me if I'm if I'm right in saying. Grady Lockhart probably has not gotten nearly enough credit for what he has done behind the scenes in a lot of cases to help you become a 17-time national finalist and maybe one of the most popular barrel racers out there. Am I right in saying that? You are spot on. Um, so early on, I mean, obviously when we were first married, I was probably back, I would say it was probably in the mid nineties that we were probably at union. Yeah. Um, it was on a different horse called top stick, but you know, at that time, Grady was going hard and, um, it was more about his career at the time. Um, you know, he was very close to making the national finals. And so, it was not even a thought for me until it was probably, I think, 2006 or 2005. Um, actually, when I started riding Sterling and I had um, 2006 and I had Chisholm, he was, I think, six at the time, maybe seven. I had brought him on, you know, through the amateur rodeos and stuff. And he's like, OK, it was in 2005. We're going to go to Canada next year because they're opening it up to the Americans mm -hmm. being able to go to the Canadian finals. I'm like, OK. So we loaded the kids up, three kids um, in tow, little kids. And we went to Canada and spent about six weeks up there. And, you know, I think it was 17 rodeos, maybe 15 at that time that you had to get to. And so we we went full mile and we went, got to those rodeos and I qualified for my first Canadian finals. And, um, you know, and it was with Chisholm and Sterling at the time. So fast forward a year, he said, next year, you know, you're going to go harder and you're going to try to make the NFR. And I actually scoffed at him. I'm not lying. I, re I really did. I'm like, that's, that's another next level. And so, but it's always been that way. If it wasn't for Grady pushing me, it, it would have never happened. Whether it be, sorry, <clears throat> whether it be 2006 Canadian finals, 2007 NFR, or 2022, you know, yeah. that last month, he's like, don't quit. You've come this far. Don't quit. I remember even being at um, Abilene and I hit a barrel and I was trying to go back to, sorry about that. I was trying to get, I, I would have to go back to Pendleton. Here, Lisa. I really <laughs> Pendleton. <laughs> and I had to go back to Pendleton for the short round and I'd hit a barrel at Abilene and I'm like, should, I, should we just go home from here? And he just looks at me. He goes, it is still mathematically possible. Wow. No, you're not going home. He stuck me on an airplane where my sister was taking care of my horse, you know, back at Pendleton. And uh, anyway, so it's always been him pushing me. Always. I'll be darned. Um, I really am sorry. I did not mean to make you cry. That's you okay. <laughs> that was not my intent. Yeah, it would have been the mid-90s. This will be this next year will be my 30th year at that Rodeo Union. So yep. it probably yep. would have been would have been that long ago. Um, hopefully I've gotten a little bit better since then. Um <laughs> Let me let me ask you um, about this year's national finals rodeo. Brittany has had such a good year. Oh my um, gosh, she is she is. I I would assume probably in a lot of people's minds she's going to go in just because of the great year she's had as the favorite to walk away with her third world title. Mm -hmm. But there's so much money on the line. You know, somebody hits a barrel here or there. Somebody comes out and makes 10 clean runs, wins the average, $80,000. Do what do you do you even look at all that when you get ready to head to Las Vegas? 
Personally, I don't, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes, I mean, we've all thought it like, oh, you know, who do you think is going to win? Whether it be, you know, I mean, you, you just know. But what happens sometimes is the absolute unexpected. Yeah. And with that, um, I, I don't because, you know, you, you have no idea how it's going to roll out. And, you know, with that, I do think sometimes you can take into consideration, say the horses. And if you think that they're going to like the Thomas and Mac or things like that. And I mean, honestly, I think that she's got two horses. If she's on, you know, Benny, um, I don't think he cares if it's big, little, whatever. I think he's going to shine no matter where he's at. So I do feel like, you know, her horsepower with the horses that she's taking there, if she's taking Benny and Titan and Birdie. Um, I mean, those that's probably, I would say, probably some of the most amazing teammates that she's had, you know, consistent, want to do their job horses. And, um, you know, we've all been on both sides of that coin when we ride horses that don't necessarily fit the situation. That doesn't mean you don't have success. That doesn't mean um, you don't have to work harder for it. And there's just some horses that make our job easier. And I think that the horses that she rode this last year, and I think she'll be the first to admit that, you know, they really made her job easy. And um, not that she didn't jockey them to perfection because she did, but they, they're just the type of horses. And um, it was just amazing. And nobody's had, you know, I, I mean, it's just crazy to watch. And, and I mean, I would, be one of the first ones to text her and congratulate her because you, you love to see a good horse race. You love to see horses doing their job so effortlessly. And, um, you know, she's just had it time and time again this summer, and it's just cool to watch no matter who it is. Every year, I feel like for the last several years, I've looked at the field of horses going to the National Finals Rodeo, and I've thought to myself, this bunch is one of the best ever. Um I mean, they can't all be the best ever, obviously, but top to bottom, this is a really good, you know, you, you know Cassie's going to show up well-mounted. She is one of the greatest futurity trainers, if not the greatest futurity trainer ever. Brittany's got three great horses. You've got um, Rosa and Cutter would both be most people's number ones, I think, um, and they're going to be in the bullpen just in case. Haley's going to be there with sister. She's got a lot of time off. Um, we all know what what so many different barrel racers can get done. I feel bad for Tacey Matthews. She's not going to be able to take her horse of the year this year's NFR. But uh, I've got two final questions for you, and this is one of them. What I, do you ever look at this this the the horses going to the, this rodeo and go, wow, that's an awesome bunch of horses. Oh, absolutely. Um, the utmost respect for him. And it is interesting because, you know, um, whether it be somebody, I'm just thinking about even like Emily, you know, I'm not sure what she's going to start out on. I mean, look at the success Chongo's had there, yeah. but look what Liza's been doing. So, you know, who's she going to start out on? I mean, it is. And, and it just, the professionalism and the ability of these horses, like I said, the last few years, the money's better, the horses are better, the jockeys are better. It's crazy. And you wonder how much better it can get. Um, you know, once again, you don't know what's going to happen when they get there. But like, yeah, you just like the wow factors. Like it, it, it's from top to bottom. Like you, it's anybody's game on any given day. And, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and somebody asked me um, in a prior interview and they're like, oh gosh, isn't it motivating, you know, how this is, how it's come full circle. And not really. <laughs> it's intimidating more than anything because you're like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, we even going to win a check. Like, look at this horsepower and look what, yeah, it's crazy. So um, it's harder than ever to win a check. And um, yeah, I mean, so it's very cool in its own way, very motivating in some ways and uh, intimidating in others. Okay, I've kept you longer than I asked you for, but let me ask you two final questions, if I might. Um, tell me about, for those of us who have never had the opportunity to barrel race at the National Finals Rodeo, it always seems to me like the first round or two are where the slower times are. Sometimes mm -hmm. it takes them a little bit to get the ground right. Sometimes, I, I, I'm guessing... That little arena where you're running blind to the first barrel, it must take, even if you've been there 17 times, a little bit to get adjusted to all of that. Is there a an adjust a, an a, an adjustment progression? Say that three times fast at the national finals rodeo for for those of you that are competing in the barrel race. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think if you've been there before, you have expectations of how you know you know things should be. 
and how to go about it. Um, you know, knowing the angle to the first barrel or knowing how blind it is, or, you know, or those just various things. Um, you know, even last year, getting on levy, for example, I wasn't sure exactly how do I prepare him, you know he hadn't been the horse that I was going to start out on. And so, you know, kind of knowing your horse and knowing the situation, like how are you going to prepare for that? Um, and I knew like, for example, for him, it was about giving him as much confidence as I could. It wasn't probably about making any practice runs necessarily, but about giving him comp you know, confidence and how to approach that first barrel and, you know, just the big yellow arena in general. Um, so with that, like you said, the times are usually slower at the beginning. By the time they usually figure out the ground, it's kind of been a standing joke. Sometimes it takes to the fifth round um, before they figure out the ground. So uh, you just have to know that, that sometimes it's not the best at the beginning and you have to ride it accordingly. Like, you know, if they're having trouble standing up or things like that. So, um, you know, I think having some experience there is definitely helpful, but uh, yes, it, it it takes a while for some people to get some things figured out. Um, I, I kind of laugh about it, you know, uh, I, it must've been Cassie and I think it was probably I, I think it was the year she rode junior there. And by the 10th round, and he, it was amazing, right? And by the 10th round, she's like, okay, my horse is done. And I can't even remember what horse I was riding that year. And maybe it was even still, I was on Louie, I would imagine. I'm like, we're just getting warmed up. I want to go 10 more, right? <laughs> and so, you know, everybody's perception is a little bit different. Like horses, you know, how they handle it, how they stay hooked. Um, are they, you know, are they chuck full of it by the, the 10th round, which oftentimes is the case, you know, horses start hitting barrels more at the end. I mean, it's just very typical. So I think, you know, it a lot depends on the horse that you're riding and, and um, yeah, as to how they stay hooked. I told you I had two final questions. Can I add, can I toss one more in? Sure. Um, especially with Louie, you know, the, the, the Benji Bendeley, who has been the music director all those years, he, he went back and dredged up Louie Louie, and you heard that song every night. Um, you have really, I think, become, Lisa, as one of the most humble people I know, one of the most popular contestants at the NFR, and I mean that. I mean, you could you could go out and, and put together a run on Louie, and it got darn loud in that building. Last year, when you and Levy really started to break through nightly, it got darn loud in that building. What's that like? Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, first of all, I don't, you don't really hear that or think of it in that perspective. I do remember though, I mean, I could almost cry again thinking about that song, you know, when, when we, Louie and I'd be getting ready to come down that alley and, you know, there goes Louie. I mean, it was so fun. Yeah. It was so fun to have something so fitting to him. Um, it was an old song, right? I'm an old timer myself. I mean, you know, it was just fitting, but like I said, you know, Louie's reputation far preceded mine and I'm sure it was his longevity, um, and I'll also, I think that the fact that people had an appreciation for who he was and his consistency, like he just went out there and did his job. And I mean, he didn't ever try to, you know, not help me be my best. And so I think, you know, people really appreciated that and they could see that in him. And, um, so his longevity as well, I think was huge that, I mean, gosh, you know, it was the same horse. And, and I think that's hard sometimes for fans to follow when we're always switching horses. And so, you know, they don't, the fans don't get to have that fan favorite, obviously, you know, Haley riding sister and, you know, so that yeah. works out great, but when we're all switching horses, it, it does make a difference. So, um, you know, anyway, Levy was new to the scene definitely, but, um, you know, and I'm sure my longevity as well, that, you know, that it just kind of helps with the fans that way sometimes too, but, um, so anyway, yeah, it's, it's just fun. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, the fans are everything, uh, whether it be signing autographs. I mean, who are we without our fans? I mean, this is why we do it. We love it. We love to have fans. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's what rodeo is all about. I mean, we get to do it, but you know, who would do it without the fans? So, um, you know, we, we love having fans one of rodeo. Of the, one of the things that I've always tried to do, uh, whether I'm announcing or on, TV or radio or, or forums like this. And I think we're doing a lot better job of is um, shining a better spotlight on the animals. The, the, mm, the yeah. human athletes are obviously at the heart and core of our sport, but you don't have rodeo without, I don't care if it's bucking horses, bucking bulls, um, mm -hmm. Stingray, Louie, whoever. Um, mm -hmm. I think we're doing a lot better job of shining the spotlight on the animals now than we ever have before. And I think it's absolutely. 
I mean, we're nobody without the stock, you know, whether it be the bucking horses or even in the timed events. I mean, you know what? The stock makes them or breaks them, whether it be their horse that they're riding or the, you know, livestock that they're competing on, whether it be the calf roping or team roping, whatever. I mean, it's those, those animals are a huge part of the equation. And for us, I mean, absolutely huge part of our equation. So okay. all the animals. I promise this is really the last question in the interview. It's probably it's okay. the worst question of the interview. Um, you've accomplished so many things in your life. Um, the American, what, four Canadian titles? I'm doing that from memory. Won the average mm -hmm. at the NFR twice. Mm -hmm. There's only one thing that's eluded you. Um, if you could ever get that gold buckle, how much would it mean to you? So we've already discussed this briefly. You know, it's not something I ever set out to do. Um, we've been close, obviously. You know, Louis and I were close twice. And last year, yeah, Levy and I had a great NFR, got within shooting distance, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's the way I look at it. If it were to ever happen, great. I mean, how cool would that be? But it's not a goal of mine to try to, you know, make it happen. Um, never has been anyway in 17 years. So, you know, uh, it's an accolade and accolades are great. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, my family life and, and not having spending as many days on the road is more important to me than than anything like that. So, um, so yeah, like I said, it's not in the forefront of my mind ever, never has been. And so, I don't know, I, I think it's been a pretty good gig with what we've done. And I've definitely enjoyed the journey and um, tried to have, have my cake and eat it too. You've had, you've had an incredible career. Like I say, you've got a great chance to maybe lead this year's national finals rodeo as the number one all-time money winner for as the money grows, however long that record lasts. Lisa, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for giving me a little bit extra. And um, I always root for you at the NFR for whatever that's worth. Go, go, go have another great national finals rodeo. Well, thank you. Um, you know, you've, you've been so great for our sport. So we love what we do. We all love listening to you and uh, more so when we even get to talk to you. So uh, thank you for everything that you do, Steve. Yeah. Thanks to Lisa Lockhart for the kind words, and thank you to you for listening to the Steve Kenyon Podcast. Don't forget our NFR previews, our countdowns with some of the Cowboys and Cowgirls who will be competing at the National Finals Rodeo coming to our Facebook pages and social media sites this weekend, and we hope you'll check them out. Today's show is sponsored by Unbeatable Feeds by M2 Ranch Jerky. Thank you to Prefert, number one in ranch and rodeo, to the Justin Boot Company, to the Grandview at Las Vegas, to Wrangler, the official Western wear long live cowboys, to Resist All, and to Equibrand, our newest sponsor, Classic Ropes and Classic Equine. I'm Steve Kenyon. God bless everybody. This is the Steve Kenyon Podcast.